Hi everyone, I'm Tara Lon. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. I'm here today with psychiatrist and medical doctor, Dr. Yalda Safai. Dr. Safai has been a contributor to multiple news outlets, including ABC News, Good Morning America, Fox News, News Station, Dr. Phil, and others. She's also a medical reviewer for Healthline and Medical News Today. Today, we're gonna to talk about how to spot an eating disorder in your child. Hi, Dr. Safai, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Thank so today, you. before we get into the topic at hand, can you just share a little bit more insight into who you are? Of course. Well, like you mentioned, thank you for that beautiful introduction. My name is Yalda Safai. I'm an adult psychiatrist, and I've also done substance abuse and child work and forensic work. I am licensed in California, Connecticut, Florida, and New York. Um, I work in different settings. And like you mentioned, I do a lot of media work. So I'm happy to be here to raise awareness about a very important topic that we're going to discuss today, eating disorders in children, how to prevent them, how to spot them, what to do about them if you notice your kids having an eating disorder. So it's a wonderful topic. And thank you for shedding light on it. Okay, wonderful. Well, and before we get into the topic at hand, can you just kind of talk about eating disorder and what it is exactly? Because I think some people may have a misconception as far as what it is and what it is not. Sure, of course. So there's different kinds. Well, the eating disorder, basically, it, it sounds what it is. It's a disordered eating patterns. A lot of times it might not be pathological. It might be a phase. It might be um, mild. In those cases, we might not notice it in our kids as, as parents. But what, what we're really here to discuss is a severe form of eating disorder. There's three of them. There's anorexia nervosa, bulimia, and binge eating disorder. So I don't know if you guys know this, but out of all the mental illnesses, anorexia nervosa is the most deadly. So it's, it carries the highest mortality rate. It is a very serious concern. So it's a good idea that parents start to familiar, familiarize themselves with what it is actually and what to look out for. So I'm going to start talking about anorexia because it really does develop in those teenage years. That's when you first start seeing the signs of anorexia nervosa. It could sometimes carry on with a person their entire lives. I've also seen geriatric populations, geriatric women or men with anorexia nervosa. So it's in no shape or form limited to children, but it usually starts in those adolescent age ranges. However, unfortunately, unfortunately, I've been seeing this develop younger and younger. I recently had a five-year-old who unfortunately struggled with eating and body image issues. So it's never too young to educate ourselves on this topic. Mm. So anorexia nervosa, the most common type of it is restrictive type of eating. And it becomes a pathological disorder when the person becomes underweight. So they're not categorized as anorexic until they become underweight. So with it, usually it's very much more common in women, females than it is men. It starts in that 12, 13, 14 age group. And you know, there's no, I can't tell you that this condition is generic, genetic, or if like there's an there's a, a solid cause for this condition. So I can't really tell you to, you know, prevent it in any shape or form. But what I can tell you is how to spot the early signs of it. So the first sign of any sort of mental illness, whether it's anorexia, depression, anxiety, is sudden changes in your child's behavior. 
Now, you know your child the best. If they have a drastic change in mood or behavior from baseline, and I'm not talking about the usual fluctuations in mood during, you know, those adolescent years. I'm talking a drastic change from their baseline. That is the first sign that you should be alarmed. And, you know, drastic changes in baseline also happen when children start using drugs. So I'm saying about for any sort of mental illness, any sort of mental condition, the first sign is a drastic change of behavior from baseline. But anorexia specifically, if the person becomes a little bit embarrassed to eat in public, they're uncomfortable eating around other people, they get uncomfortable around meal times. So if you notice your child is acting particularly peculiar around dinner time, or you find them uncomfortable sitting at a dinner table, that also should be an alarming sign. A lot of times with patients who uh, struggle with anorexia, they're trying to limit the amount they eat, right? So they sit at a dinner table, they play around with their food, they will play around with it, but 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 not eat as much. So if you're noticing your child all of a sudden has a decrease in appetite, which wasn't there before, you want to be alarmed. If they sit there and play with their food instead of fully eating it, you want to be alarmed. If they always say they don't have an appetite or they're not hungry right now, you want to be alarmed. Because those adolescent years, it's really children eat a lot and they need a lot of food and they need a lot of sleep to keep them going. So if you notice your child just keeps saying, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry, you start to wonder what's going on, right? Rapid weight loss happens with anorexia, right? It's a calorie, you start restricting calories. So you see rapid weight loss. A lot of times these children start wearing baggy clothes because they don't want, they don't want anybody to notice that they've started to lose a significant amount of weight. So if you all of a sudden see your teenage daughter wearing baggy clothes, she didn't do this before, but all of a sudden she is, um, large sweatshirts or uh, baggy pants, you might start want to start thinking what's going on there. If you see your child looking in the mirror a lot, you know, it, it's normal for teenage girls to want to look in the mirror, their face a lot to see how they look, if they look good or whatnot. But there's a difference between that and versus pathologically looking in the mirror all the time and being concerned about the way you look. So that's another alarming sign. Now, anorexia sometimes becomes a medical emergency, unfortunately. So it's very important to intervene when you can. Unfortunately, there is no good medication in the market for anorexia nervosa. There isn't a single, you know, FDA approved medication that we prescribe for anorexia. Um, so it's all about therapy and changing their outlook and changing the way they think about food, changing their behavior around food, um, addressing their body image issues. And sometimes body image issues might start a lot earlier than when anorexia actually develops. So th that is also another warning sign. Body image issues earlier in their preteen years is also something to look out for. So all you can do when you suspect your child has anorexia is to get them into therapy, make sure they don't lose weight to the point that they have to be hospitalized. A lot of times with these individuals, unfortunately, when they lose too much weight, hospitalization becomes necessary, refeeding versus a tube uh, uh, via a tube becomes necessary. So you want to prevent something like that from happening. And really, you have to act quick, you have to get them into therapy quick. You know, consult with the school, I'm sure they have therapists on staff, or they can, they've dealt with this before, so they can direct you and where to go and what to do. The only thing you can do in case of anorexia is just prevent, prevent, prevent from it becoming something as catastrophic as needing hospitalization. Mm -hmm. So that's anorexia. And you, if you have any questions, let me know. I do. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot of great information, actually. So, and just to clarify for those who have different thoughts. So anorexia, that is a mental illness. 
it's, is it usually, does something ever trigger it or is it because they have this mental illness? This is just how they think about their body. Like does anything cause it to exacerbate or I guess um, for this condition? There's no known proven scientific cause for anorexia, but we're seeing a lot of body image issues from what kids are exposed to via media, you know, social media, on television. Um, That is the only like really culprit that I could think of when it comes to body image issues. Sometimes a person might never have any issues and all of a sudden they developed um, a sort of obsessive thinking about food and their weight. That also happens sporadically out of nowhere. So I can't tell you 100%, you know, this will cause it or try to eliminate this. So it will prevent development of anorexia. Sometimes it's sporadic. Other times it's because what we're exposed to in the media and social media about body image and weight and all of that. So unfortunately, there's no one known cause. Yeah. And then uh, as far as the mental illness part, because this person is thinking that maybe they're overweight and they're really skinny to everyone who sees them, like what could be going on in the mind of the child? Let's say they're super skinny. The parents are asking, why would you want to lose weight? You're super skinny. Like what could be going on in their mind to make them think that they need to lose more weight? Like for my I own patient, I guess, I don't know. I know you're, we're, we're, we try to rationalize it, right? It's not yeah. rational for the, you to think you're fat when you're 90 pounds, but this disorder is not rational. It's an obsessive rumination over body image and eating that can, can come out of nowhere. It is a mental illness, any sort of distortive thought pattern or distortive thinking that becomes pathological in the sense is a mental illness. There's no rhyme or reason to it for a person who's never struggled with it. It's very hard to understand. So I understand why why you would ask the question or any parent would ask the question, but mental illness isn't always logical. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then for the, we'll get into bulimia, but for this specific mental illness, anorexia nervosa, what steps should a parent take if they suspect that their child has this? Early intervention is key here. I know that a lot of times we are in denial about our child having a mental illness, so we delay treatment. But with any mental illness, and anorexia is no exception. Early intervention is key. You want to, pre- you cannot prevent it from occurring altogether, but you can prevent it from progressing to something more catastrophic. So okay. look out, educate yourself on the early warning signs, and if you see them, act quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about bulimia now. Sure. Bulimia is a little bit different from anorexia. When a person is categorized as bulimic, they're usually not underweight. They could have a restrictive type of bulimia, which means that they restrict what they eat, but it never becomes to the point where they're underweight and are categorized as anorexia. Bulimia can come in different shapes or forms. The most common of it is the binging purging type of bulimia that we've all heard about. It's people that make themselves vomit after they eat. And it's for the same issues, body image issues, feeling guilty about eating, oftentimes binge eating, Um, is why they do this sort of thing. It's not, it's usually not as common in those people who restrict, because if you restrict, you don't need to bend, you know, you don't need to purge. Mm -hmm. And um, if you restrict, usually you lose weight. So in the case of bulimics, the most common type is people who binge eat and then vomit. Um, Fortunately, there are a few FDA approved medications for the treatment of bulimia out there. So there is always that option. But I would say with bulimia, it usually does, it's not as deadly. So it doesn't 
you know, a lot of times require hospitalization, but it recurs, uh, requires intervention because, because if you're vomiting every time you eat, you're losing uh, potassium, for example, you're, you're going to become deficient in certain um, electrolytes, basically, you cause destruction of your teeth, you cause destruction of your esophagus. So ultimately, down the line, if you're doing that a lot, it's going to become a problem, and you're going to have a lot of health issues immediately, it might not be as catastrophic as anorexia is. Right. A lot of times with these children, they're not so uncomfortable around eating time, they eat, and sometimes they can binge eat. So if you see your child eating a large amount of food more than usual, and then what we usually do in an inpatient setting is we prevent them from going to the bathroom at least 30 minutes or an hour after they eat. If you see your child running to the bathroom every time they eat, there's something going on there. You got to investigate. And usually they might complain about being abnormally full or feeling guilty about how much they ate or some sort of complaint around their eating. And this is, you know, if this happens once or twice, it's normal. We all binge eat. We've all had the belly ache because we ate too much. You know, it's only pathological if it's occurring every single day. If you notice that a lot of complaints about food, a lot of complaints after eating and then running to the bathroom, you want to be alarmed. Um, also, this is, we have a sign in psychiatry. If you see a lot of calluses in a person's hand, it means probably they're self-inducing vomiting. I've actually never seen this in real life because you don't always use your fingers to self-induce vomiting. You can use different types of material. So, um, but in psychiatry, you always say, watch out for calluses on the knuckles um, because of people who self-induce vomiting every time they start developing um, calluses because, the, I mean, the teeth are sharp. Mm -hmm. So that's a telltale sign to look out for. That also requires um, not only medications a lot of times, which can help, but also therapy. It goes back to controlling your behavior, controlling how much you eat. And a lot of times people need professional help for that. It's mm -hmm. not always something that um, that can be handled alone. So bulimia is also important. It's important to early, recognize the early signs. Early intervention is really important, not as deadly as anorexia. Right. Do you have any questions about bulimia? Yes, I, I do. That's good information again. Now, what if a child is binging and purging, let's say once a week, and maybe the parent noticed one day they binged and they purged and they noticed it a couple of times, but it's not happening like every day. Like, is that still considered bulimia or is that something different? So we categorize something as a mental illness when it disrupts their everyday life, when it becomes pathological to that sense. If your child is vomiting once a week, twice a month, I mean, that's not healthy, but it's not, it's, it's not categorized as bulimia per se. Yeah. Um, so every time something becomes disrupted to daily life, that's when we categorize it as a disorder. If someone mm -hmm. has to run to the bathroom every time they eat, that's clearly disrupted to the daily life. It's clearly causing health consequences. So at that point, it becomes a disorder. So the frequency of what a person engages in a sort of behavior is also really important. Right. And is it always binging? I mean, what if they're just eating a, a regular meal and then they go run upstairs and they purge it? And they do that well, every it's day. It's not always binging. It's okay. still categorized as bulimia. But a Maybe lot of times you see people binging and then purging. But it could, if even if they don't binge, but they purge, that's still a disorder. Yeah. So for just for, so parents know how to get the right help. What if they notice this a few times that their child has done this, but it's not every day. Do they still need to go through the necessary steps to get their child help? Or is it something more sure. moderate, you I guess? 
you always want to investigate why a patient is doing this. For example, if someone has really bad acid reflux, they might just be incredibly uncomfortable after eating a meal, especially meals that are high in fat. Um, so you want to investigate why this person is, is engaging in this behavior. Take them to a medical doctor to rule out any underlying cause. A lot of times medical conditions like gastric paresis, for example, is when your GI tract has a massive delay in emptying the contacts of your stomach through your intestines and out of your body. People who have that condition might feel just very uncomfortably full and, um, you know, vomiting will give them a relief. So that's a real medical condition you want to rule out. So I would say if you suspect something like this in your kid, investigate why they're doing this. Is it medical or is it psychological? If it's medical, get them the help they need. If medical is completely ruled out, then you can say they have a psychological problem. And that's usually talk therapy for the most part, but for bulimia, they do have medications for that. They do have medications. There's, um, yeah, there's two FDA approved medications for the treatment of bulimia and binge eating disorder, which I'll get into um, soon. But yes, there is. For anorexia, there's no med good medications. For, but bulimia, there, there's help with that. Okay. Uh, and then for anorexia and bulimia, is the first course of action going to their primary care physician? Yes. And Always. they would give they them can... a referral. Exactly. Okay. And then what is the third most common eating disorder? Also, sorry, before I get to that, um, a blood test can also show if there's some sort of big electrolyte imbalance for someone oh. who's vomiting every day, you'll have the blood test will show that their electrolytes are, in, are, are, you know, um, either deficient or too much. So a blood test will be there. I think when you go to a primary care physician, the first thing they would do is a blood test. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. And binging eating disorder is also the third most common type of eating disorder is when they binge, but they don't perch. They binge every time they get uncomfortable every time they can't control the amount they eat. This is obvious. It can lead to obesity. It can lead to a lot of health problems, but that in itself is a problem. So if you see your child binging every single time they eat, being uncomfortably full, complaining about how much they ate, and this is after every meal, you got a binge eating disorder on your hand. Mm, okay. Because I think many parents may see their kid eating a lot and they're, they're not thinking that it's a disorder. Maybe that they're just eating too much and they need to lose weight, maybe. You know, um, binge eating is, it's noticeable. It's not just okay. through meals. They're binge, they're nibbling on other stuff between meals. You know, teenagers need a lot of nutrients, okay? So you know your child's best. You know what their BMI usually is. You know, you know what's healthy and what's not. You can recognize this in your child. If you see your kid binging on food every single day, snacking between food, getting up in the middle of the night to snack, and you start seeing them gaining weight, you got to be worried about binge eating disorder. There's fortunately, fortunately, medications to help suppress appetite. Um, that work really well, actually. One of the most commonly um, used medications is something like Vyvanse, which is a medication for ADHD, but it's used off-label for binging eating disorder. It works really well. It suppresses the appetite. And this is for people who need it, okay? I'm not saying anybody who thinks they're eating too much should go run to a doctor and get on medication. This is people who clearly have a problem or mm -hmm. evaluated by the primary care doctor, by their psychiatrist, um, and then are recommended medication. So, Vyvanse is one of them. Another medication for um, the treatment of binge eating disorder is Prozac, which is an antidepressant. Um, these are the only two. They're always options that, you know, a parent can eventually, if they want to use it an adjunct to, to a therapy, they can. Or if they just want to use that. I would say therapy is first line always for any mental illness. 
majority of mental illnesses, I should rephrase that, but um, medications are always there to help. And your physician is the best one to tell you whether they think medications are necessary. If we have a severe BMI issue, a severely high BMI, you're risking increased lipids, you're risking diabetes, you're you know, risking heart disease in a child. So for those cases, it might be better to get on medication while you're going through therapy. But you know, it's really important to talk to your doctor and figure out what's right for your child. Right. So for the binge eating, why is that child binge eating? Are they actually hungry or is it for comfort? Like what is usually the reason for that? It's a control issue. And we all at some point have lost control over certain things. Like if we really like candy, we might binge on candy. It might not become a disorder. It might just be one binging episode, but it's usually a control problem and no rhyme or reason to it. There's no cost to it. There's no like I said, with a lot of psychiatry, with a lot of eating disorder problems, there's no clear cut cause. Um, but in this case, it's just a control issue. They just can't control the amount, you know, they, they don't know when to stop. Mm -hmm. Now for any of these disorders, is it possible that a child can just have an unhealthy expectation or outlook on food, but they don't necessarily have a disorder, but it, it could lead to a disorder? Like, is that possible? that they just look at food unhealthily and maybe it's not consistent like every day or of like, course say you like that child, look like i guess uh, remember something is categorized as a disorder if it's disrupted to a every day yeah. living this person right. is binging every day to the point where they're uncomfortably full um they're gaining weight rapidly that's different from someone who you know, likes candy and, you know, nibbles on it throughout the day or really is attracted to high fatty food or fried, fried food. That's that's a little bit different from someone who has a true disorder. And uh, like I said, as a parent, you know your child the best. If you see um, rapid changes in their behavior, all of a sudden they're eating more than usual, not because they're hungry, but because they, you know, just cause, or um, if they're rapidly gaining weight, or if you notice they're becoming unhealthy, it's important to act fast, but just, you know, it, it's not a disorder until it's disruptive, basically. Yeah. And all three of them are considered a mental illness. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. And I guess they could be associated with other mental illnesses. Like I could see the anorexia being associated with like OCD. Yes, exactly. It's like yeah. compulsive, obsessive over something. Exactly. And it can yes, be tied to different things. Water. Yes, yeah. exactly. Now what, you said. Yeah. Now, what about for those parents who think, okay, I, I don't know if it's quite a disorder. Maybe it is a disorder, but they think they can handle it on their own at home because they don't want to go through the talk therapy route, or maybe their child doesn't want to do that. Like, what would you say to those parents who are kind of on the fence with that? And they think they can yeah. manage it themselves. Okay. You can't manage everything on your own. If you're suspecting a disorder, the first step is just to talk with your primary care physician or with your pediatrician. That's easy enough, right? Just bring it up to them, get their advice and let them guide you. I know it's very uncomfortable for any parent to admit that their child has a mental illness, has a disorder. It's hard to ask for help, but remember, when it comes to mental illness, you can't always do this on your own. And you want to prevent, prevent, prevent from it progressing to something more pathological, more catastrophic. So I know it makes you uncomfortable, but act soon if you suspect something. Investigate, mm -hmm. ask your kids question, um, questions. And if it really, you don't want to reach out to a psychologist first, go to your primary care physician. They mm -hmm. might tell you, no, your child is fine. Everything's okay. Then you get peace of mind, right? Yeah. But if they tell you there's something more going on, then, you know. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for the binging disorder, um, what are some other negative side effects besides the gaining of the weight? 
are there any other health concerns? I mean, I guess with the obesity, there's concerns, but let's say the yeah. child is not even obese, but they're eating all this food, but they're not yet obese and it's still a problem. Well, they don't become obese right away, right? Yeah. It, it takes a while. Um, in general, if you're taking in more calories than you're burning, um, that's a problem. Now, somebody might be an athlete and they might exercise a lot. And because of that, they need more calories. So you see them eating more. That's not a disorder. So, I mean, you don't become obese right away. It takes some time. And like I mentioned, um, every child's need is different. If you have a child that's very active, who's an athlete, they need more calories. They might eat more than usual. Or once they start working out for the first time, their caloric need goes up too. So you know your child best. If you notice that their eating habits all of a sudden are drastically different for no reason, then that's cause for alarm. But if there's a, you know, they're exhausted, they're working out more, they need more food, that's that's not pathological. Yeah. You just, you know your child's best, so I can't generalize, but any rapid drastic changes in behavior from baseline is something you need to investigate. Yeah. And I'm also thinking that, um, because I know you mentioned earlier that there's really not a trigger because it's a mental illness. Is it possible that the, the kid has the mental illness, but it's not triggered until maybe something happens, like maybe stress during a stressful period, yes, the kid realizes, oh, this kind of haagen is really good. Maybe I should have that every day because it's a stress reliever. Like, is it possible that there's something brewing, but it's triggered and then they- 100%. Okay. Hundred um, percent. With any mental illness, sometimes you need a trigger, and this is no exception. Mm -hmm. I got to add something about anorexia, though, and I've been hearing this a lot from patients. Um, they restrict their eating. A lot of times, the kids who come from abusive house household or have had traumatic um, experiences in their lives, their eating is the one thing they can control. So they restrict as a form of it makes them feel better because this is the one thing in their life they're controlling. So I hear that a lot. And I should have added that when I talked about anorexia and causes. But um, this is also something that comes up a lot with kids who've had traumatic experiences. Is there anything with bulimia or with bulimia and binge eating? Not so much. But like you mentioned, sometimes a trigger, a stressful event just triggers the disorder to go on full force. So as we wind down the conversation, can you think of anything that a parent can do to create healthy, a healthy experience with food just overall, just for their families? So you want to tell your kids to eat, to become strong, not eat to gain weight, not eat to lose weight, not eat because something is healthier than others. I mean, they'll learn what's healthy and what's not, but it's important to, since they're a little kid, remind them that they're eating to become strong. If you enforce that kind of mentality in your kid, they'll have a healthier relationship with food. But mm -hmm. telling them, hey, don't eat too much because you'll get fat starting from a young age. You know, you, you don't want to plant the seeds of negativity in their head from a very young age. Just tell right. your kids you need to eat because you need your nutrients. You need to eat because you need to be strong. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Safai, for being here again. Now, where can thank people you. find you if they want to know more about you and what you do? Sure. I have a website, yaldasafaimd.com or my Instagram account, yaldasafaimd. Hey, moms. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoy this show, I would love to hear from you by way of an encouraging review. This podcast is meant to be a blessing to mothers, so I appreciate any support for this platform. Until next time.